Uh, Our scripture reading this morning is Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks be to God. All right, good morning. Um, if I haven't said good morning to you already, I think I've said good morning to most everybody. Um, yeah. Let me get situated here real quick. Uh, you'll notice I did about just practical things real quick. Let me get this out of the way. Um, I, I passed out pins. I at least set pins on most people's worship guides. Um, the, 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 the eval sheet serves maybe more as just a guide. There's some things that are going to be applicable and other things that may not be perfectly applicable um, to this particular sermon um, this morning. But Anyways, yeah, so we've been working on this sermon series, um, Habits of the Heart. It is like more or less, in some ways you can think about it as a commentary on just why we do the things we do in worship. So last week we had confession and absolution, the week prior our call to worship. And so we sing every single Sunday morning. Singing is just a part of our worship. Uh, And sometimes, at least I know for me, being a musician, I take that for granted that it's always a part of worship. It's like worship is singing in some things. Like we we say worship, we almost equate it with singing. Um, But really, why do we do these things? Let's uh, explore this. So I'm going to have your loyalties or your attention competing between maybe thinking about this outline, but also interacting with me um, as far as questions. So I want you to feel free to butt in question, poke, prod, um, as we kind of talk about why we sing. Um, So, a couple intro questions. What do you like about music? And this is uh, just a, like, out loud, what do you like about music? Could be anything. It could be simple, silly. What about music is cool for you? Yeah. Brings back memories. Moves you, yeah, in what way? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a good answer. Yeah, lyrics. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Focusing. Not as a musician, why do you like music? Yeah, great, man, that's a good, good thing. Mark, you're always playing music constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make a mood, kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, you might say it's fun, it's good background music, um, study, you like how it makes you feel, maybe it's fun, you like to dance, you like the rhythms, you like tapping on things if you have ADHD like me. Um, you may even say, I don't know. I, it, when you say, someone says, what do you like about music? That's a hard thing, right? Because it's so integral 
um, to just what we are. Um, but what is curious is that we all like music. Um, some do more than others. Probably Nat likes music a whole lot more maybe than somebody who's just a casual listener um, of music. Um, have you ever met anybody that doesn't like music? I haven't. They're probably a sociopath. You want to watch out for those people who don't like music because everybody likes music. Um, it's it, The truth is, in every culture across the world for all time has had music. Every human society, music has been integral to their worship, how they think about themselves, how they think about um, the, their culture, their stories, what makes them unique, what makes their gods unique as a part of their religion. Music is integral. Um, it, it's a transcendent. Um, it's saying um, for all of history. So I, I, think it's, I think it's fair to say humans, human beings, we have a unique relationship with music, right? It's something that is uh, somewhat, in essence, uniquely human. So a second question, what is music? If you had to pin it down, what would what is music? Expression. Even technically, what is, what is it? I'm sorry? A discipline, yeah. Scientifically, maybe? Harmonies, tones, it is, incredibly. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, music's weird because it, it is uh, nebulous, right? It like exists in this world that we all live in and we all participate in it and it's so foundationally human, but we don't even know what it is. I mean, scientifically, right, it's frequencies. We know that's what sound is. And I, I guess there's these frequencies that are just floating around in the air. And when we play them with one another or create these frequencies, and they create this thing called music. I mean, it's just so strange. It's like this cosmic, uh, but somehow like atomic at the level of like atoms, this orchestration of matter. And that's what music kind of technically is. But anyways, all that to say, it's, it's just, it's so, it's magical. When I think of music, that's my favorite way to describe it. It's magic. It's like creating something that has substance, that moves our souls, that transcends cultures and times but we don't even really know what it is. It's magical. It just appears out of, just out of us even, out of the rhythms of nature and everything. Music kind of, it's magic. Music is magical. So I think what we can say is, you know, music is a uniquely human phenomenon. You know, there's not like cheetahs or hyenas out in the plains, you know, kind of as much as Lion King would uh, lead us to believe. Um, they're not drumming up music, you know, or playing uh, Hakuna Matata. Uh, it's it's kind of this uniquely human phenomenon, and it affects us so, so uniquely and so to our, our core with all of our being. It makes us want to dance. It makes our minds race. It makes our hearts and our emotions just just run and feel fully expressive. 
Um, so in thinking about this, because I think a lot about music, it, it brings me to maybe like a not so shocking conclusion. And I think, and I'll claim that musicality is a part of the image of God within us, the imago dei. Um, in, in Genesis chapter one, God made humanity and he made us in his image and in his likeness. And a lot of people have talked for a long time, what is it that we are made in God's image? What about us as humans is unique? Some people think it's our brain. Some people think it's our capacity for language, stuff like that. It's, it's multi, multifaceted. There's lots of different things. But I think musicality is one of those things. And so why do we sing? That is the question this morning. Why do we sing in worship? Well, given that musicality is a part of our image of God, we sing because that's how God made us. Quite frankly, we can't help but singing. We can't help but listen to music. So why do we sing in worship? It's because that is how God made us. That is who we are. That's one of our um, three points, if you think in structured outlines of our sermon. We sing because that's how God made us. It is a part of our image. And so by giving back that part of our image, we, um, we are giving him praise um, for the gift that he has given us. So another fun little exercise. Um, let's play some word association or song association. Um, I'm sure we could think of a bunch of examples of this, but I'll start singing a song and then you fill in maybe the next lyrics or something like that. All right, we're ready? It's going to be fun. Um, amazing grace. Awesome. Exactly, yes. Right? So I don't even have to finish the song for you, but you instantly recall the lyrics are just at hand. Right? They're just right there. All I had to say was, ah, four times, and everybody in the room came back with the chorus, staying alive, staying alive. And I think this highlights um, the importance of how music is a part of us. Um, Rick, you said that music recalls memory. Um, you're exactly right. But we remember things via song. So I'll, I'll ask you this thing. Um, most of us have grown up in a Christian context. Um, what is your favorite sermon ever? Exactly. I think that's the point. Yeah, but, but, but this one right here, yeah, says Dan in the back. I love that. Thanks for the affirmation. But I can sing Amazing Grace and how sweet the sound rolls off your tongue. The music sticks with us. And I think this, this is maybe what, what hinges on why we sing, particularly what we sing. And it's because music is a part of us, but it also forms us. It gets stuck in our head. It, we sing it. We hum it. When we hear certain, um, for me, when I hear certain tones, I can recall that that is the same key as another song that I like. Not everybody can do that, not everybody's musicians, but when we hear certain phrases, it even takes us back to a song. When we hear certain songs, it takes us back to a memory. Um, music forms us. What we sing stays with us. 
So I've been in Christian education for a long time, so like seven years at this point as far as uh, higher education for Christian studies, and I always wanted to be kind of a worship leader, a worship pastor. And I had a spiritual formation director in my undergrad. Um, his name is Dr. Scott Duvall. He's written a couple wonderful books. Um, one about Revelation that I think is really cool and helpful. Um, cue our text in Revelation this morning uh, that we'll get to here in a bit. Um, but something he said has stuck with me. Um, he was feeling uh, emburdened by the music that they were singing in the church. He didn't feel that it was... Um, rich. He didn't feel like it was accurate. He didn't feel like it was leading their people um, where they needed it to be. So he kind of stepped in on this role where he was uh, the liaison between the worship people and the pastor. And he would get the pastor's texts in the sermon and he would coordinate with the people, the worship people, to have a fuller, richer, more integrated experience. But he said this um, in regards to that. He said, you can, in, in pretty good preaching, and this is why he was felt so unburdened by this, is just as we are not able to recall our favorite sermon, but we are able to instantly recall one of the most famous songs. He says, people sing their theology, and I believe that to be true. People sing their theology, because music sticks with us in this mystical, magical way, I think, that we can just instantly recall it. And so why do we sing? Because music forms us. And when we sing right things about God, when we can recall amazing grace, it does this kind of beautiful thing where we're carrying around the attributes of God that we sing at instant recall. We may not be able to remember the books, the sermons, the messages that we've heard, all these truths of God maybe that we've had explained to us or maybe not, but... People, we sing our theology. What we really believe about God, we sing because it stays with us. And so why do we sing? We sing because God made us that way. It's a part of our image. But we do it because music forms us. Music forms us. It shapes us, I think, and more into the image of Christ, who we are modeling ourselves after. So it just uh, a further illustration of this point, music helps us recall things. There's actually, uh, my grandmother passed away from Alzheimer's um, last year, um, but I was intrigued when I heard the study on Alzheimer's. Um, there's music therapy for Alzheimer's patients, and you think, like, what is this? Maybe it's all common knowledge, but I still think it's fascinating. You can have somebody who is, um, in the case of my grandmother, had Alzheimer's for about 10, 15 years, um, long, slow decline, but in her latter years, she could not remember even my mother's face. So her own child would be sitting next to her, and I'm just using her example. They, I'm not sure that they did music therapy on her, just as a disclaimer, but... Um, hurt them as an example. My mother be seated beside her mother, spent her whole life with her. She doesn't even know who she is. Um, to her, maybe she's just another nurse or caretaker. She just happens to be another body. But if you play a song from their childhood, from, um, from their teenage years, a song that they really liked, maybe an old hymn, they would instantly be able to rehearse that song for you. When I would sing Amazing Grace, they would respond, 
how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And so it's just this beautiful, it comes to illustrate how music sticks with us. And so that's why we sing, because music forms us. It shapes our soul in this way, just as it, it, uh, it interacts with our emotions and our whole bodies. It's like music seems to intertwine itself with the very fibers of our being. Music forms us. We sing our theology. That's why we sing. And so we sing because God made us that way. We can't help it. <laughs> it's uniquely human. We sing because it forms us. But lastly, we sing because God is worthy. God is worthy of our songs. Um, let's look back and, and let's just read quickly um, our, our text together. Um, Revelation 7, 9 through 12. After this, I looked and there was a vast multitude from every tribe and nation and people and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, singing this hymn, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, along with the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down, and they worshipped, singing, it should say, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor to the power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So looking at our text, Revelation, we look and we see a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number. Who are these people? Well, I'll start with an illustration. I got the privilege when I was in high school to go to New York City and work with um, the Bowery Mission, which is a mission for uh, a, a rehabilitation program with, for individuals experiencing homelessness, um, and also a, a soup kitchen. I, I say soup kitchen. It was just a kitchen of, of various foods, not just soup. Um, and they served three meals a day, so anybody could come off the streets, and they served thousands and thousands of people every day. Anyways, I got the opportunity to go serve there three different times, and on those three trips, four times, we were able to visit um, a church in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. It's a really famous church. Um, there's a, their pastor's name is Jim Cimbala. Um, he wrote a very, very popular book, and um, it's eluding me. Fire is in the name, but Jim Cimbala, good pastor, um, great church, crazy transformation from what we're doing here to huge, huge church that meets in this old, um, um, basically like a Broadway show theater. Um, but anyways, I, you walk in there, and what's famous about Brooklyn Tabernacle, though their pastor is famous, but arguably their choir is more famous than anything. And you, you're seated down, and I come from the Southern Baptist world and Southern, or, and yeah, in Arkansas. And so, you know, the choirs there are like six people, and they're all <laughs> have white hair, and they're the most amazing people on the planet. But it is nothing like what you see when these people enter the room. And what you see, and I was seated in the, seated in the third row, and I'll never forget this, is, you know, about five minutes before the service started, people just started pouring into the choir loft back behind the stage. If you imagine just massive, massive um, theater there. And there was probably 250 individuals. And being in Brooklyn, being in such a culturally diverse place, they really were from every tribe, 
nation, language, and tongue. You had people that were black, brown, we had Asian, white people. I mean, truly, in every nation, it's like it, we were seated at the table of nations in Genesis 10, um, you know, or, or the United Nations come to meet for, it was beautiful. But what's even more shocking is when they all opened their voice in accord and you could just feel unamplified the power of their voices just singing it like shook your core if you've ever been by a loudspeaker it was like that but it was the voices of these people crying out praises and so who is this vast multitude that is but a glimpse brooklyn tabernacle these are the people of god of all time all his people all of those who have faithfully followed him in the midst of life's woes stayed faithful to the lamb that is who is singing here and why are they singing here in revelation that is a curious question because revelation for a lot of us um, is so such a strange text right you know it's, it's so charged with different opinions and just hard to understand from times but revelation is god's story of god enacting justice and redemption and recreation of his people he sees all the injustice and he punishes the injustice. And all of those who are righteous, all those who love and follow God are vindicated. They are given their rightful heir with Christ, their rightful place, worshiping God who has saved them. And so why do we sing? Because God made us that way. It forms us. But we sing because God is worthy. Look at the words that they sing. So what has happened here in Revelation, this is chapter 7, but in chapter 6, Jesus, personified as the Lamb, has opened up these seals on this scroll, and this scroll contains the, the plan, the judgment plan, the, the marching orders for God's plan of justice to be met in the world, and he has opened that, and he has started this, this uh, plan for justice, for the righteous to be redeemed. And so what do they sing in light of this plan being enacted, finally waiting on God to work in the world? They say salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. So we sing because God is worthy, because of what God has done. God has given us salvation, and we sing in immediate chorus salvation belongs to our God. We sing because of what God has done in my life, in Natalie's life, in Rick's life, in Dan's life, in Woody's life, in Mark's life, and Sarah. That is why we sing, because God is worthy. You see, music has this way of clinging to us. When we sing salvation belongs to our God, somehow we, we, have, we struggle to believe that, but somehow when we sing it, it interweaves itself with our soul. So I don't want to belabor this point this morning, but we sing because it is important. We don't sing because it's a thing that we do, but we sing our theology. We sing because God is worthy and we hope to be formed by the words that leave our lips. We hope to be singing on our deathbeds 
amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And so this is why we sing. And where does that leave us? Music is a fun thing. It is an ethereal thing. And so I hope we can leave this place or just come to a greater appreciation for all musicality. That God made us somehow in his image. That God's image is embodied in music. That we could listen to music with a greater and deeper appreciation of the magic gift that it is. I think also, too, maybe there's a word of warning. Maybe we'd be careful a little bit of the music that we do listen to or sing. I'm not going to be like, uh, oh, what's the movie with Kevin Bacon? We mentioned Kevin Bacon earlier. Um, Footloose. We're not going to wholesale bar or burn books or burn albums. But I think it's true. Music forms us. We understand and we remember those words and we recall them. Maybe sometimes in moments of anger, we recall our, the songs that just embody the bitterness and the spite maybe that we have towards someone. I know I do that. So maybe we're a little bit more careful about what we listen to. Knowing that it's a gift from God, appreciating its beauty, its expression, it's something that's true to our core. But maybe we're a little bit more careful. But ultimately, I hope that we would just always have songs of God's grace on our lips. That when we think, when we're at a loss for words in the trials of life, in the pains of life, when our kids don't like us anymore, um, you know, my kid probably does, already doesn't like me, and he's still uh, in utero. <laughs> but yeah, well, when when a loved one dies, when we're faced with the idea of suffering in this world, I hope that we can sing, "Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne." And that's the picture biblically. You can look anywhere to see the Psalms see the psalms sung by these people. So we sing because it's who God made us to be. We sing because it forms us deeply. And we sing because God is worthy of it. So let us proclaim God's worth. Let us be formed by the music we sing here on Sunday mornings. And let's appreciate its beauty and God's gift to us via music. Let's pray with one another. Lord God, um, thank you for music. Thank you for its magical, ethereal, nebulous beauty, Lord, that somehow transcends our thoughts, our emotions, Lord. It, 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 it encaptures us, Lord. Um, thank you so much for that gift that we are able to express our groanings in ways that our groanings don't even express. So God, I pray that words and songs of praise be ever on our lips. Lord, that we can sing to you, salvation belongs to you because you are good and you are just, Lord. And you love us and you care for us and you are working in our lives and in our communities to make us more like your son, Jesus, who sacrificed himself on the cross, Lord. Let us sing that, God, the sacrifice of Jesus, and his resurrection and ascension, God, what that means for us and how that transforms us. So God, do transform us. 
in this time. We pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.